This is a Federal News Network podcast. It's not uncommon for defense leaders to rewrite acquisition policy. They do it every year. But the most recent effort is a bit different. DOD's latest overhaul of what's commonly known as the 5000 series breaks apart what's been the key guidebook for defense acquisition and divides the system into what it calls pathways. It's called the Adaptive Acquisition Framework, and the Defense Acquisition University is leading the effort to teach the workforce how to use it. Mike Cooligan is the Associate Director for Production, Coordination, and Optimization at DAU. He spoke with Federal News Network's Jared Serbu. Let me start by outlining the six tenets that are really the the underlying foundation of the Adaptive Acquisition Framework and why it, why it was put together and what the department was trying to get to. Those tenets are to simplify acquisition policy, to go from a mindset of tailoring in things into your acquisition strategy, vice tailoring out, which is what we did under the old system, to empower program managers, to facilitate data-driven analysis, actively manage risk, and finally to emphasize sustainment. And the sustainment piece is a big one because a lot of our dollars in our weapon systems are in sustainment. So if we don't emphasize that up front and pay attention to it, then um, it can really drive the cost in the out years. So those are the six tenets that, that, that was built on. And then out of those tenets and out of the some of the new authorities that Congress has given us over the past few years, so think middle tier of acquisition, a, a lot of the, um, the software acquisition authorities that have, that have come out and continue to come out from Congress, it made sense to go from that one overarching business model we had with the old 5000.02. So you're talking, it was closing that 200 pages as things kept getting adding to it and breaking that out into smaller digestible pieces of policy, which when we talk about the acquisition ones, those are the six pathways. And then there's the other functional pieces that come out, the cybersecurity, engineering, test evaluation, and those. We're breaking them into smaller chunks to make it, again, that empowerment of, for the program managers to make it easier for them to select the path that they need to go down. Was was this really an, an innovation in terms of that breaking apart the the, the main five thousand instruction? Had it ever been done this way before, or, or historically, has really the body of the instruction always been in one giant hard to digest document? So um, I, I'm going to be careful and answer what's in my um, what I know. So I can tell you from when I started acquisition, which was right around right around ninety eight or ninety nine, when I got to the Harrier Program Office in um, at Navair. Um, it was the, the 5,000.02 of, of the type of thing we have now where, where, where it's one instruction. But we also didn't have a lot of, you know, we, back then we didn't really think about software that much separately. We kind of had a way, way that we did software and we had kept doing it. Um, you know, obviously we didn't have the middle tier authority. So as, as Congress really helps us out to figure out how can we get, and I, I love this phrase, acquisition at the speed of relevance, and they give us more authorities, we needed to think differently about how, how we give that policy to the acquisition workforce. And I, I think something else that, that really is new here is that, that traditionally the 5000 series has been very far focused, and it tells you how to use the federal acquisition regulation and the DFARS, whereas this new series really does bring in some of those new congressional authorities that you mentioned, like OTAs and middle tier acquisition, and, and puts, them all, puts them in the pathways, basically, right? So when we talk about the 5,000 series, uh, the, the, the six pathways, the 5,000.02, we're talking about acquisition authorities, mm-hmm. about how, how we do program management and the other functional areas in order to put a, a program together. When we're talking the FAR and the DFARS, OTAs being, being in there, 
we're talking about contractual ways to help us do it. So I just want to make sure that we don't, because we, we hear a lot of, oh, the, you know, these new authorities where we do MTA and OTA, and it's great. It's a, it's a small, but it's an important um, separation to think about those two. One is how we do the work to get there. The other is the work that we do to get it on contract and get that work into the hands of our um, contractors. Right. Yeah, that's an important distinction. I'm glad you raised that. I think a lot of the principles that you mentioned are, are pretty pretty easy to understand and pretty well understood already, and we'll go through some of those more as we continue the conversation. But tailoring things in as distinct from tailoring things out, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what, what that actually means? So I've spent a lot of my time talking to different classes at DAU, talking to different organizations about the adaptive acquisition framework. And when I would talk about tailoring out versus tailoring in, what I started to do was I would say to classes, well, now with tailoring in, we start with a blank slate and we pick and choose those regulatory items that we need in order to be successful based on the unique characteristics of our program. And fortunately, early on, I got pushed back from another DAU faculty member. And it, this instructor said to me, you don't really start from a blank slate. We start from whether you're doing middle tier or software or major capabilities acquisition. There's a list of things that you have to do. Some of it's statutory. And again, we don't we don't tailor statutory requirements. We follow the law and, and, and do those. Um, but there's other regulatory ones that you're, that you're going to do. So you take that, what is now a much smaller list of statutory and regulatory things that you're going to do. And then you start to add in the pieces that make sense, that help manage the risk in your specific program. The tailoring out one was every program you do starts with this enormous list of statutory and regulatory items. And then you pull out the ones that you don't think you need for your program. So here's the analogy I use for this is think about you want to go and get a hamburger at a really nice restaurant and you're going to order it. And the way it comes is it comes with probably bacon and cheese and lettuce and tomatoes and and on and on and on. And if you don't want that, then you have to say to them, well, what I want you, there's a couple different ways. You can either say, when you bring it to me, take the onion off, the tomato off, the lettuce, and try to figure out how to take those things off and get what you want. Or you can just like what I do is I just order it and then I pull off whatever I don't want and throw it aside. Again, it's a it, it ends up being takes more time and it's a waste. But if you think back to you remember Fuddruckers that's out oh, there, yeah. yeah. So I think of tailoring in as Fuddruckers, where you don't start with a blank slate. You get your you get your patty and you get your your bun, and then you go over to that that smorgasbord, which might not be a good word for Fuddruckers, but still, and then you you tailor in exactly how you want that hamburger to be. So to, to extend your Fuddruckers analogy without torturing it too much, it, it sounds like this really does require, if not entirely new skill sets, at least new ways of thinking for the acquisition workforce, because they're going to have to have a solid understanding of what all those menu options actually are that are available to be tailed in. So how, how big a training challenge is that? So it would be a tremendous challenge. However, at the, during the creation of AAF, Ms. Cummings directed that we create a companion website so that as AAF came out, which was it, it really the majority of the, um, the pathways and 5000.02 came out um, about a year ago, is we also launched a website. So aaf.dau.edu. And what that did was that took, instead of having the workforce have to go out and find all of these policies and what does tailoring in mean and how, how do the pathways work? 
we created this website that pulls all of that together. So they have, they have access to all of the policies, the, the straight PDF policies that exist up at Washington Headquarters Service. Then they have guidance on um, how to use the pathways, how, to do the, how tailoring works, some examples. And then for each pathway, it breaks it out into the individual steps of the pathways that we also complement with what we call powerful examples. Think lessons learned, videos, those types of things of, of programs that have been successful or programs that are started to be successful in some of the cases like software, as well as frequently asked questions. And that website is a continuously growing tool that's there for the acquisition workforce to, to really help get them started and get them to really to understand from where, the, where they are. And that, that's taken the, that, that training burden that's, that's still there. It, it, it's going to be an ongoing burden to get the training done. But that website's gone a long way to helping move the, um, move the bar forward. Mike Cooligan, the Associate Director for Production, Coordination, and Optimization at Defense Acquisition University, speaking with Federal News Network's Jared Serbu about DOD's new Adaptive Acquisition Framework. Check out Jared's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. 